This is Off-Season Dodger Talk. Call 866-987-2578. And now your host for Off-Season Dodger Talk, David Bassett. Welcome back to Dodger Talk. David Basset with you until 8 o'clock tonight here on AM570 LA Sports. And yes, with the lockout, it's a great time to reflect on the great history of the Dodgers and the people that made that history. And not sure if you're aware of this, but back on Super Bowl Sunday, it was the anniversary of Hideo Nomo making a groundbreaking signing coming from Japan to sign with the Dodgers 27 years ago in 1995. It coincidentally happened to be Dave Wallace's first year as the Dodgers pitching coach, and Dave was with the Dodger organization for many years, learned under or at the feet of Sandy Koufax, Johnny Padres, Don Drysdale. He knows his pitching and was Mike Sosha's pitching coach during the Olympics uh, back, uh, back a couple of years ago. So happy to have Dave on Dodger Talk. I'm sure you have done this many times before with Ross Porter, but appreciate you being on tonight, Dave. Oh, Dave, anytime the Dodger baseball is involved, I am honored and humbled to be a part of it. So thank you. Dave, I know you uh, have been with many different organizations since you left the Dodgers in 97, but your legacy lives on through guys like Rick Honeycutt and Matt Herges and others that became teachers. Uh, can you just describe what it was like for you to be a pitching instructor in the organization when such legends like Koufax, Padres, and Drysdale were around in Vero Beach? Well, you, you know, it was it was crazy because, you know, you, you start out aspiring to be a pitching coach, you get to Vero Beach, and you go in the famous – Strings area in your first couple of years, and you're looking around, and it's Sandy, and it's Johnny Pod, and it's Paranowski, and you know just Drysdale, and and you know Roseboro and Campy, and guys like that are around. So I learned real quick the best way to learn is just keep quiet and keep your ears open, and at the right time, don't speak until you're spoken to, but ask questions, listen to the best. You know, as they were teaching the guys at that point back in, uh, I think it was 80-81 when I first started out. But, my goodness gracious, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, the best organization for developing pitchers. Uh, lo and behold, as you mentioned, I've been to a lot of places. And, you know, the funny thing is, Dave, everywhere you go to this day, people want to know how the Dodgers did it back in the day when they developed all that pitching and, really, some of those the best pitching coaches. And Dave, I know there's a lot more technology out there to measure a lot of different things, and that's great, but doesn't it come down to what you and other Dodger pitching instructors used to teach, and that's the lower half and using it as leverage? You talk to somebody who knows what we're doing. <laughs> you're, you know what? You're, you're exactly right, and and I can tell you this for sure. Um, you're right. The information today is wonderful. You know, they're talking about spin rate, horizontal movement, vertical movement, spin efficiency, and all that stuff. But really, you know, I mean, we weren't quite as sophisticated with our language. But I can tell you that 
you know, Sandy probably taught us all better than anyone. And it wasn't until he was done pitching. Of course, if you know Sandy, like everybody does, he's so inquisitive and so brilliant that he actually did a, um, a piece. I believe it was a thesis on the biomechanics of throwing a baseball properly and really relating it to a javelin thrower and how they use their lower half and that kinetic link. Everything happens from there. So, you know, uh, that was great. But really in its purest form, what's being taught today is all over the place. But some of the guys have it right, like Rick Honeycutt did. And it validates what we were teaching back in the day. So that's really a nice kind of feather in everybody's cap. Dave, it's funny. Uh, Kevin Kennedy once told me that Sandy Koufax would demonstrate using leverage in the parking lot with one of those concrete parking blocks that you find in any shopping center. Did you ever have that type of experience with Koufax? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wherever you are, you just get up. It could be Starbucks lot. It could be, you know, baseball parking lot. But, yeah, I mean, don't ask me why, but privileged to uh, become close to Sandy over the years. But my goodness gracious, you know, people just thought he was so talented, but this man really, really knows. And you can ask Kershaw and all the other guys. He knows uh, the biomechanics of throwing a baseball, the mental aspect that's involved in it, the competitive aspect. You know, you talk about grips and all that. Um, just, Just a quick kind of side note. Sandy always talking about his fastball, four-speed, four-seam fastball, and have your, you know, strongest, longest, strongest finger on the highest seam. But he also talked about a curveball. And we talk about, you know, spin rate now, which I think a curveball is like 2,500, 2,700 is average major league. But can, uh, Sandy talked about the rate of rotation and taught us all that really a curveball from the time it leaves your hand until it gets to the catcher's mitt, rotates maybe 13 or 14 times, which was mind-blowing. But and sure enough, with all the cameras and the edutronic information today, you know, we validated that as well. So it was all good stuff, and it's all, it all ties in, believe me. That sure sounds like spin rate, Dave. Uh, it's just a different vernacular <laughs> that is. they're trying to introduce. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, that's what it is. The great Dave Wallace is our guest on Dodger Talk. We're very honored to have him on the show because for many years, uh, when he started with the Dodgers in 1980, he gained a wealth of knowledge of pitching and how to teach pitching from guys like Sandy Koufax. And in 1995, Dave, you replaced Ron Paranowski as Tommy Lasorda's pitching coach, and that was Hideo Nomo's Rookie of the Year season. What do you remember most about the first time you saw Nomo in Vero Beach and of that season? Well, you probably don't have have enough time for me to talk about all of it, but I'll I'll try to be brief and concise but pretty factual. Uh, What what you learned about Hideo right away is that he had what we call quiet strength. He didn't say much, but over time we found out that I'll tell you what, he observed everything and didn't miss a thing. And, of course, the first concern everybody talked about is delivery. Oh, he's going to be hurt. He's going to do this. You can see the ball. He shows the split finger. <laughs> and and we heard all the things that were going on. But 
I mean, he just was a guy that was, he was going to prove to the world that he could make the transition. And, and that was tough because he was very, very successful in Japan, as everybody knows. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget his first start in San Francisco. Um, after I, we actually, actually followed the uh, last work stoppage, and that was a rough start to the season of 95. But um, he walked a couple guys, had the bases low, was one out. And I think um, Jeff Kent was at bat. He followed uh, Bonds. So there's bases loaded, no outs, or one out, excuse me. And uh, I go out to the mound. I'm nervous as hell. You know, and I know Spanish pretty well, and I know English, but I didn't even think about Japanese. <laughs> and here comes here comes here comes Piazza. We get out to the mound. So the first word out of Dumb Wallace's mouth is, "Hey, man, cómo está?" <laughs> and Piazza starts laughing. He goes, "Hey, man, he's Japanese." So, <laughs> and, and and you know what? To Nomo's credit, he said, "Good." <laughs> and that was him. And, uh, you know, he, he threw a split finger, got a pop-up and a double play and got out of the inning. But that was one of the coolest things that, uh, about Hideo. His personality wasn't affected. You didn't know if he was giving up three runs in the first inning. He was struck out the side in the first inning. His demeanor was just unflappable. Was he was he a pioneer in a lot of ways for the rest of these Japanese players that have come over and had success? Oh, absolutely, Dave. I mean, you know, I mean, I think somebody I I can't remember the name way back when, maybe the fifties or sixties, but Hideo really was the first guy to come over and you know try to make a mark. And son of a gun, if he didn't do it, you know, he ended up pitching twelve years. I remember his no-hitter in Coors Field in 1997. I think it was September yeah. 17th, maybe. Yeah, um, right on. But that, Yeah, and that was the only no-hitter to this day in the history of that park. And the game was delayed a couple hours. It was a little humid. So a couple of those fly balls to the warning track would have been home runs otherwise. But, you know, in the lineup they had at that time with four guys hitting 40 home runs, I mean, he was just, and then he threw another no-hitter for the Red Sox, I believe. So, I mean, he, he was just a guy come over with, I, Dave, if, if I remember correctly, his his last five years in Japan, he averaged somewhere around 180 pitches a game, which was wow. crazy. Yeah. So he came over, he knew, he, you know, adapted real well here, had his routine, strong, strong legs, strong midsection, and, just, you know, the heart of a lion. You've seen a lot of games pitched, Dave, by a lot of different pitchers, but do you feel like him throwing that no-hitter, like you mentioned, the only one ever thrown in that hitter's haven of mile, of mile high course field, is that one of the single greatest pitch games that gets overlooked? Oh, I think without a doubt. You take all those factors in that was before they had the humidor with for the baseballs, all that stuff. I mean, they had you know, and, and the lineup and the time of year and we're in the hunt and, you know, it's playoff time. We're, we're in the hunt to get in the playoffs. And, you know, he just two hour delay, you know, false start. We're going to start six fifteen, eight fifth. I mean, all the things that are really difficult for a guy to handle a starting pitcher when you're not sure what time it's going to start. Is it going to, we're going to play, we're not going to play. 
and um, few people realize how tough that is to handle. But for him to go out there and just dial it up when we need it most late in September in Coors Field, I mean, <laughs> really, you think about that, that's crazy. It really is, and still to this day, nobody else has achieved a no-hitter outside of Hideo Nomo back in 1997. Dave Wallace was his pitching coach, first one he had here in the major leagues. Dave Wallace was with the Dodger organization nearly 20 years, and that just barely scratches the surface of what Dave Wallace meant to the Dodger organization during his time, and so much so... Mike Sosha reconnected with you, Dave, a couple of years ago for you to be his pitching coach for Team USA that lost in the gold medal round. What was it like uh, being with Mike Sosha, not as the catcher this time, but as the manager? (laughs) Well, Sosha and I go way back to the days when he was playing and then when he was managing Anaheim and I was coaching against him on the other side of the field and uh, we've remained closeness over the years and when the opportunity came up uh about a year and a half ago because they had you know the games were in 2020 but we actually played them last summer and mike Mm. mike and i had a blast i mean we had a it was a very difficult job putting the uh team together because we couldn't use any 40-man roster players you know and it was just it was a real difficult situation the usa baseball to their credit what, what a job they did putting this thing together but mike you know, never lost his edge. We had a great time. And actually, uh, during our – we had to qualify down in Florida before we could even get to go to Japan. So for the qualifying tournament, uh, Peter O'Malley came down in support of Mike. And wow. it was it was really nice to see. You know, yeah. And, and Peter, I'm sure, uh, as he's, he'll tell you, he was going to come to Japan except for the COVID thing. But, you know, it was uh, – it was, it was just a great experience, great experience. And just, you know, one little side note, I know this is about Hideo, but we, we had second game in the, in, the, uh, in the Olympic tournament over there. We, uh, we, beat, we, we beat Korea. So, you know, there's no, no fans, all that stuff. So after the game, uh, one of the guys, one of the security guards comes in, he gets me and goes, hey, one of the Korean broadcasters wants to say hello to you. I said, really? <laughs> You know what? And I walk out, and little do I know, Chan Ho Park is doing KB Korean uh, TV and radio, and he called me, you American daddy, I haven't seen you in 20 years. And <laughs> those Dodger people, it was just a phenomenal thing to experience. You know, I mean, just to have Chan Ho come down and take his time, and it was great. Dave, you know, that reminds me, during the period of time you were the pitching coach for the Dodgers, you really did have a United Nations starting staff between Nomo, Park, Ramon <laughs> Martinez, and Tom Candiotti. Oh, yeah. I, I always remind the guys, I said good morning in four languages. <laughs> yeah. <You> know, <laughs> Japanese, Korean, Spanish, and English. It was, it, was, it was quite an experience. But, you know, more important than the language, I think, you know, to Mr. O'Malley's credit, we learned so much about the culture of those, all those, because the Spanish culture, you know, and I've gone to Dominican a hundred times and lived the culture. And now being, in, went to Korea uh, with Korean baseball team to help them out for a couple months, been in Japan twice. And, you know, to experience the culture and the game is, it's, uh, I hold it very dear to my heart. 
Well, Dave, you've given back so much, and you've paid it forward so much, and this was such a great excuse, like I told you, to share you again with Dodger fans, and we'll do this more often, and for us Dodger fans that grew up in the 80s and 90s, it was great to see you and Mike Sosha together in the dugout for Team USA, and uh, who knows, crazier things have happened. Maybe we'll see you again in the dugout with Mike. Oh, we don't know about that, but I'm, I'm headed out west <laughs> this, this summer, so I'm going to come by and see everybody at the stadium. That would be awesome. Dave, thanks a lot for the time. Uh, great sharing thank those Dodger calling, memories. All right. Okay, thank you. There he goes, Dave Wallace. Uh, he may not be a household name, but if you uh, grew up loving the Dodgers in the 80s and 90s especially, uh, you remember him, and anybody that was a pitcher in the Dodger organization when Dave was part of it certainly remembers him, and that was just such a great, great interview with so many great memories of great players, and just just awesome to hear how Sandy Koufax would teach the teachers, and that is something that a lot of organizations never had. They never had great players like a Koufax, like a Johnny Padres, be able to explain and teach what they were able to do. You know, even to this day, when Sandy Koufax shows up in the clubhouse, he'll start teaching pitching mechanics. If it's a conversational piece, he's not going to go up to a specific pitcher and say, hey, this is what I should do or you should do. This is what I would do if I were you. That's not the way it works. Uh, they might be eating in the food room and pitching comes up. Or he may say, hey, I, I, I enjoy watching you pitch. Have you ever thought about this? That's the way he teaches, and that's the way he is able to get these players to be open to what he's saying. Now, you know, Clayton Kershaw and Rich Hill have both told me on separate occasions that, and Kershaw has said this many times, that Sandy Koufax will show you something uh, on the baseball and how to grip the baseball, but Sandy Koufax, similar to Michael Jordan, has huge hands. So his fingers basically wrap around a baseball. That's how big of a hand he has. And that's why he was able to do the things he could do as far as manipulating the baseball with his curveball and fastball because his fingers were so long, his hand was so big. And both Rich Hill and Clayton Kershaw have told him, like, hey, I can't do that. My hand is not that big. So... Just awesome. Dave Wallace, awesome. Hideo Nomo, awesome. Just more than what he did on the mound, what he meant to his country, what he meant to so many other Japanese baseball players to give them hope that, yes, you can do this as well. So uh, awesome to use this week to celebrate Nomo signing with the Dodgers 27 years ago in 1995. 